How you guys doing this morning? Awesome. Glad to be here with you guys. And turn your Bibles to uh, the book of Luke for me. We're going to start off uh, something new today, uh, Luke chapter 16. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here with you. Um, again, Trunk or Treat last night was so much fun. Um, I think we were all blown away with how many people actually were, were here and visited us. I think last year we bought a lot of food and we had a lot of food left over. So this year we're like, all right, let's buy a little bit less. And then we ran out of food really fast. And we didn't even buy that much less, but we still ran out. It was just, um, it was a testament to the, the community being a part of what we're doing. And it was fun to meet people. So thank you to everyone who had a part to play. I know April spearheaded a, a lot of organizing, but so many people came alongside her. So um, it made my heart so happy to see people sign on and doing this. So thank you to everyone who did that. And one more announcement. We did have a vote going on at Trunk or Treat for the best car. And um, even though my car had the longest line, it did not get voted as the best car. But um, I do want to say we had three cars. The voting was pretty awesome. Um, the top three cars. In third place, we had Gina and her Pirates of the Caribbean car, which was really, really awesome. Um, in second place, we had the Whites with their medieval King Arthur car. And first place doesn't matter. We'll get to it later. So, no. In first place, we had the Tangs and their Star Wars uh, car. It was really fun. So I actually do have a gift card for you guys uh, for getting voted best car. So I'll have that up here for you. But thank you guys for, for coming in. For everyone for being a part of Trunk or Treat. It was a whole lot of fun. Now, as we, uh, as we dive in uh, today, um, did you know that if you were to search on Google this phrase, weight loss pill, you would get, anyone want to guess how many results pop up for that in under a second? Well, your hand shot up real fast. You're not even close. You're not even in the same solar system. If you Google weight loss pill, you get over 150 million results in under one second. That's phenomenal, right? There's mi literally millions of websites that promise you this grand problem solver that we would say, oh, I want to do this. Here's how you can do it by taking one simple pill. What's even more astonishing is all the people that subscribe to this, right? Say, oh, if I could just cut out all the work in life and just do this one pill, this will solve this issue that I'm trying to do, right? Last year, $33 billion were spent on various products to help people lose weight. And at the same time, the FDA reports that 39.6% of Americans will still say they are over their desired weight. That's crazy, isn't it? it and I, I think the conclusion we can come to is our world is full of what people want so badly, a miracle cure. A miracle cure for things. Something that we could say, I wish I could just do this one thing and it would solve everything. You can relate that to not just this, but you can relate that to, why don't my kids listen to me? Well, if I just give them this one pill, they will listen to everything. If I just give them this one melatonin gummy, they go to sleep every night. So maybe there's another option for listening. We all want a miracle cure. But some of us, as rightfully so, get skeptical when we hear of these one-hit wonders, right? There's this one thing to do. It causes questions. You get skeptical and think about it. And you wonder, is this really going to happen? With that in mind, I think today, what we're going to start talking about today, it's not a one-hit wonder, but this is one thing we can all do that I think has the power to drastically improve and change all of our lives. Something we can all do practically that will affect us and those around us. Um, I think so what we can do can make you happier, 
This can make us healthier. It can make us more fulfilled. It can help us leave a legacy lasting far beyond our lifetime. And before you turn me out saying, here comes the salesman, check this out. The, the reason so many people go for a miracle pill, even when they know it won't work, is because deep down, they desire something that they don't think they can get. They desire something they don't think they can do on their own, and they're looking for that one push, that one thing that can really get them what they desire so deeply inside. The fact is, we were created by God. We were created by God with a desire to be fulfilled, a desire to be happy, a desire to live for something more than just our own stories. And, and a lot of us are on this search for fulfillment, a search for, for this purpose, this, this meaning, this next thing for our lives. And today, I think we can take a big step towards something that will help us get what we want. Maybe you don't even know what you want yet. But the good news is it's not a pill. I'm not going to ask you for a credit card number to get it. But I am talking about something in this season that comes to the forefront in this time. We're gonna be, I'm talking about generosity. There's something strong and powerful about being generous, being generosity, about being generous. And, and we're going we're gonna to start talking about a generous life. What does it look like to have a generous life? What does being generous even mean? We're going to look through scripture and see different people and how they're generous and how their generosity played out to those and to them, those around them, and what this means for us today. And I think this can really be a key to opening the floodgates of a really, really good, beneficial, happy, fulfilled life. And we're going to get a moment. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, what generosity is not. Because I know that um, Stephanie announced the harvest offering coming up. And Marshall announced the, the pastor's appreciation, which it's, it's really weird for me to even say that on my own. But, and and, and you, I, want, I want you guys to understand, when I talk about generosity, generosity is not just money. I don't want people to think, if, if you're here for the first time or, or visiting or watching online for the first time, I don't want you to think, oh, great, here he goes. Generous money, here it comes. They want money here. They want money there. This is not about money. It's not just about money. I don't want anyone to, to, to roll their eyes at that. I know that w when I talk about finances, when I talk about money, I'm never going to say anything that's going to be for my personal gain or this church's growing prosperity. When, when, whenever I talk about finances, it's always going to be biblically. What does God want for finances? How do we honor God with finances? It's never going to come from per personal gain. And all that to say, generosity is so much more than money. Is money a part of it? Absolutely. But that's just a part of what we see biblically when it comes to generosity. A generous life gets to, it, it comes from being generous in a whole lot of ways. How many of you guys, when I say generosity, you can think of someone in your mind like, wow, this is probably the most generous person I know. I think we, we, we have people in our lives like that, right? People that we know are givers. And what's funny is when you think about those people, often you can think about their life. Typically, they're pretty happy people. They're happy to give. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle that they like to in, indulge in, and it's a good thing to do, to give to those around us. But generous, a generous life is about being generous in a variety of ways. So let's stop for a minute and think about some of the different ways we can be generous. Because generosity comes in many forms, right? One way we can be generous. Have you ever thought that you can be generous with your thoughts? You can be generous with your thoughts. Um, are we generous in the way that we think about people around us? Or are we critical in the way that we think about people around us? Have you ever seen someone in a store and you think, what is wrong with that person? Sometimes if you go into Walmart, your mind can get flooded with these questions, right? You think, what is wrong with this person? Why are they doing that? Why are they dressed like that? What are they thinking? The Bible talks about loving our neighbors as ourselves, but how often do we give people around us the benefit of the doubt? Um, 
I was challenged in this actually just on, on Friday. So um, something that I do with, with my daughters, whenever Stephanie is, is out of town for a couple nights or for anything, whether she's visiting friends or family, um, I have daddy-daughter dates with my girls. One of their favorite places in the world to go is Cheesecake Factory. So um, this weekend, it was just me and Aurora for, for a few days. So I asked Aurora, where do you want to go? She's like, duh, Cheesecake Factory. Like, why do you, why'd I even ask? So, so we went, and we've been there, you know, many, many, many times over the years. This Friday was really bad in the sense that the restaurant wasn't super busy, didn't look like it, but we had really, really bad service. And I mean, I mean like, we were, we were waiting forever to get our order taken. Then we were waiting forever to get our food. And then when the, when the, the server brought us our, our food, we ate, and then we didn't see her again. Like, we wanted refills. It was just kind of like the epitome of, like, what is happening right now? And my mind started thinking, it's not busy. She's not busy. What is even going on? We have the laziest server in the world. I even thought that when I left. As I was reviewing and reading, I started thinking, oh my gosh, I have no idea what she was going through that day. No idea. I don't know if when she was done serving our table, if she was in the back and something personal was devastating her at home. And that's why her mind was scattered. I don't know if she got into a fight with another coworker, if she was doing something and her boss came down to her. I just don't know. But I let my, my, my thoughts were not generous, not even giving her the benefit of the doubt. And I immediately was condemning her for things I didn't even know. We have the ability to be generous with our thoughts. We have to consider the way that we, we think about ourselves and what are other people thinking with us too. Before we can think about um, other people, I think we need, to, we need to understand, if we want to be generous with our thoughts, we need to look at people the way God looks at them first. We need to think about people the way God thinks about them. <clears throat> Before we can think about others the way God thinks about them, view ourselves through God's eyes. I think negative self-talk is, is a reflection of an incorrect view of God. Do you pay attention to your self-talk? Do you think about yourself negatively? Does that think about others negatively? We can be generous with the way that we think about people and then watch that change how we interact with people. We can be generous with our words. Uh, the book of Proverbs says this, careless words stab like a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. We've all been hurt by words before, right? Really, really bad, hurtful words. How many times have we hurt people with words on the flip side? Like we, can, we can say things and, and throw that out. Right? Our words have power. Do we build people up? Do we tear them down? Know that what we say has power, and we have the ability to be extremely generous with what we say to people. We can be generous with our finances. Um, every time we give financially, I truly believe that when we give of our, our finances, that softens our heart, because finances are not an easy thing for a lot of people to give away. It can really soften our heart and allow us to, to have a heart more like Jesus when we say, this is really not mine, this is really Jesus's, and I'm being a steward of what he's given me. Giving, giving away our finances takes the focus away from us, and it puts it onto other people. And this can be one of the hardest things to do, because we don't know what those people are going to do with those finances. But at that point, it's not about that, it's about your heart to give and bless somebody else. Giving of resources ultimately shows your trust and the ability to let go of control and rely on God speaking through you. We can be generous with our influence. I think a lot of us wouldn't be where we are today unless we had someone very influential pouring out their time to us and being, being helping mold us and shape us through, through the good choices, through the bad choices, being there when the, when the going got real tough. I think we all have influence in some way, shape, or form. We have networks, we have connections, we have LinkedIn on social media. We, we have ways that we can resource and influence people. 
Are we using our influence to be a blessing to people? Uh, we can be generous with our time. I, I know there's, there's so many people, and we, you probably know someone in your life too. If I ask this person to do something, they're going to say yes. And not just because they're a, a yes person, but because they love to give time. People can be so generous with their time. I think one of the best, sometimes one of the best things we can do for somebody is to just stop by and spend time with someone. No, no agenda, no I need this, we're going to do this. Just giving someone time. Shooting someone, giving someone a phone call, give them a text, say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Let's get, let's get some coffee or hot chocolate. And, you know, just, just spend some good quality time with someone. Are you using your time in a generous way? We can be generous with attention. Uh, we live in a world that is operating with, I think, an attention deficit, right? But we can be generous by giving people our attention. Are we on our phone more than we are with our kids? We have all felt the power of someone who is fully, fully present in our lives, right? We could be very generous by pushing distractions away and say, hey, I'm going to give my attention right here, right now to something that is attention worthy, my family, my kids, my friends. We could be generous with belongings. We all have stuff. We've got lots of stuff. If you've moved recently or ever, you realize how much stuff you have, right? Storage units and boxes full of stuff. Sometimes you move and some of that stuff doesn't get unpacked for years because we have stuff. We can be generous with a lot of this stuff. And so, so you guys get the point, right? Generosity is not just about money. There's so many ways and so many things we can do and so many opportunities we have to be generous. Everything we are and everything we own, we have the opportunity to use it to bless people around us. And since it's not about money, we can make this one statement that I think is, is pretty, pretty profound, right? If generosity is not for money, what generosity is, is for everyone. Generosity is for everyone. You don't have to be rich to be a giver. You don't have to be rich to be a giver. You don't have to be a millionaire to be generous. In fact, let me, I'm going to give you a spoiler for the whole series that we're going to be talking about on generosity on week one, right? If you don't like spoilers, too bad. Here it comes. Very, very complicated. Write these two things down or take a picture of the screen when they pop up. One, everyone can do this. Identify an opportunity. Two, take action mind-blowing, right? Revolutionary, deep. <laughs> Identify an opportunity and take action. We all can do this. Whether it's with one of those things we listed, uh, finances, resources, thoughts, words, time. If we identify an opportunity and take action, that's what it means to start living out being generous. Our life and others' lives can be totally transformed if we all take these two steps and do them. Identify the opportunities around you, take action. And here's the bonus. When you do this, not only will it make other people around you blessed and happy that someone's doing something for them, it'll make you feel really good too. Helping others, I, I can't think of a time where I've given of myself to help someone and I just didn't feel good doing it. Yes, it may have been time-wise, like, you know, like, oh, man, this took time, this took whatever. But, but it, when, when you see the product of just what you're investing into somebody, it fills you up. It feels good. It's a blessing to you and those around you. <clears throat> and I think that when we do this, we're going to have, we're going to talk about a few different things. One will be awareness today. We're talking about action. We're going to talk about impact. Of these next few weeks, we're going to unpack all these ideas. And I cannot wait. What, what I would love for you guys to do throughout this series and this season, share with me via email a time that you have been generous or done something for someone. And not just for like tooting your own horn, like, oh, today I did this, look at me. But just more than I want to know what you did, I want to know what happened because of it. 
How was this person blessed? How did you feel doing it? I love stories of saying, hey, you said this. This is how God impacted me, and this is what God changed in my life. Those are the best stories I think someone could share. This is what I applied and how God worked in my life. But the first step, the first step on this path, if we want to have a generous life, step number one is having awareness. Step number one is having awareness. So having said that, I want you guys to watch this clip because um, sometimes we can miss something very obvious that's right in front of us. So check this out. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> now what's funny is um, clips like that, you can, you can cut the rest out. It's a, it's a commercial for paying observations on the road. Like watch out for bicyclists. and yeah, okay. <laughs> But, but I, I love that because I, I actually, when I saw it for the first time, I went through and based on the camera work and everything, that really was the same take. But there were 21 things that changed. The pictures, the body, what the people were holding when they got interviewed, even the detective's jacket and his hat. Like, so many things changed. But on first walkthrough, I honestly didn't even, because you're not looking for it, I was totally unaware. Didn't see any of those things happen. So what this does, having awareness, stop and think about how many things we experience on a daily basis. What do we experience on a daily basis? There are sights, there are sounds, there are touches, there are smells, and these things are all around us all the time. If you're trying to put a number on how often you use your senses, it would be impossible. Your senses don't even turn off, even when you're asleep. That's why you can hear a sound in the middle of the night when you are asleep, and it can wake you up. Someone can walk in with something when you're sleeping, and a smell will wake you up. Even when you're sleeping, your senses are still going. You're sensing all the time. We live in, in a perpetual state of sensory overload. And because of this, your brains are constantly working to organize and categorize everything that you're thinking of and, and what you're experiencing all around you. This, this is why when you get into a good habit of like brushing your teeth, it doesn't even give a second thought in the morning. You have the habit, your senses are going, you, you start to push it aside because it's something that you naturally are used to, right? It's possible for us to experience hundreds of millions of senses every day and only be aware of a few of them. And if you're not convinced, try this experiment. Can you think who the last 10 people you saw on your, on your way when you first came in were? Can you identify all the first 10 people that you saw maybe, or the last 10 people that you saw? Who were the last five people you talked to um, on Wednesday? No, I don't know, right? What did you talk to them about? If you're anything like me, it's hard. Sometimes they say, what did you have for dinner last night? You're like, oh gosh, don't even know, right? Some of these things can be hard to remember. But the point is this. We experience things every day without actually even being aware of the things we're experiencing. They're just a part of your everyday routine. Our brains have to effort the work a lot to categorize, and and, uh, categorize the experiences, and it actually makes us harder to be fully present and fully aware of everything going on on an everyday basis. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at this passage in Luke because I think that uh, this passage gives an, an amazing example of awareness or lack of awareness. And we're gonna, of what we see and what we notice and what these two people see and notice and how what we see can great or don't see can greatly affect us. So Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, we're going to read a, a parable about the rich man and Lazarus. So it starts in verse 19. It says this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. At the, t the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. 
in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away and with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Well, Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, you and a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone goes from the dead to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. It's a pretty profound and powerful story. And, and I, I've heard this, this passage, I've read this passage, and I've heard this passage talked about in, in relation to possessions, and being focused on your possessions more than your neighbors. And that's a very valid point that this brings up. But I don't think this parable is just about possessions and money. I mean, money is often a metaphor that Jesus uses for things that control us and something that allows pride to really set deep into our hearts. And I think um, th- this, this parable does a good job talking about that, but I think there's so much more. I think it's about how two lives can exist at once, the natural life and the spiritual life, and how often these lives can look very, very different. Many of Jesus' stories centralize around two or three characters, and each character usually teaches some form of spiritual lesson in his parables. So first we meet this rich man, right? Life is very kind to the rich man. He wore his tailored suits. His wine cellar held treasures from the Bordeaux region of France. And, you know, he, um, his favorite place to do all of his shopping was Whole Foods. You know, this was the guy. This guy had it all. His personal chef was the bone-in filet medium rare on demand every second of the day. He lived in an exclusive community, guards at the gates. His life was comfortable, and his eyes were blind to the man who literally sat right outside that gate. And this man was the beggar. Lazarus, he was poor. He lived with a terminal illness. Jesus said he was so weak that he welcomed the dogs to lick his wounds. Lazarus was suffering, big time. His hunger was so cruel that he wanted the breadcrumbs from the rich man's floor. This was a desperate man. He just, breadcrumbs is what he was longing for. Then the parable shifts. It says the rich man is now on the outside of the gate and Lazarus is living in paradise. This time, The rich man's glasses were not cloudy. He saw clearly what was going on all around him. Misfortune and hardship cleared his eyesight. The beggar knew he was no longer a beggar. He wasn't sick. He wasn't homeless. He wasn't in rags. He he stood beside Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. I think it's another example of how pride keeps people from admitting that they need God. This is not about the money or the resources. I think it was about holding on to things so tightly that they become a substitute for what we can do with God. When it mattered most, what was the rich man holding on to? All of his stuff. He was holding on to his life. It was all for him. And that, that luxury, he had to pay for it ultimately with his torment. Abraham told him, you have comforts and luxuries in one area of life, but spiritually, you're in torment. This story isn't about the money and possessions solely, though. I think it's about seeing other people with the eyes of the heart. The rich man was blinded. He had no sight for the poor man. One way to understand this lesson is how God looks at our heart. Ultimately, the parable condemns this man. And it begs the question of why. Was he condemned because of his stuff and his love for his stuff? I mean, money and possessions are not inherently evil. 
I mean, money, donations, tithing, resources, that, that builds orphanages. That builds food banks. That, that allows the, the church, the, the capital C church, to go out and do things in the world. So it's not inherently evil, right? I mean, ultimately, it takes those things to, to reach people, for us to go out and, and tell people about Jesus and train people so they can go out to other countries. Um, and it takes resources to, to help our missionaries that are right now. We have a missionary, and she was here um, last month in Ukraine, actively in a country under, in war, Spreading the love of Jesus. That takes stuff. And so that shows that not all money is evil, but the love of these things is where things shifts. And we should hope money isn't purely evil, because on, on a worldwide scale, if you're sitting in this room right now, or you're watching us online, you are considered one of the wealthiest in the world. On a worldwide scale, we're wealthy. But I think this parable really breaks things down for us. It says there's two types of sickness in here. Lazarus had physical conditions, but the wealthy man had something much, much worse than a physical condition. He had a heart condition. This man was suffering from heart failure. Uh, a psychological background would say that he suffered from a form of egocentricism. Or, or the problem with maybe a narcissist. It, it blinded him, right? It blinded, it, narcissism blinds, is blinding to those who have it. It turns glass into mirrors. Instead of being able to see through something, what it does is it shifts it so you're looking at yourself. And everything you do comes back so you see yourself in it in, in a negative way. Boosting to yourself but negative to those around you. Lenses that should increase sight do the opposite. Focusing on yourself only. He had a disease of his heart, a disease that then, then went into his eyes. It squandered his ability to see the need of someone literally sitting at his doorstep, right outside his gate, who needed help. <clears throat> he couldn't see that person because he preferred a mirror instead of a window. And then it didn't stop there. Um, th this rich man in the story, he accepts that his, his inequality, this is just a reasonable condition of life. This is just the way it is. He clearly is being blessed while this poor man is clearly being tortured for a reason. That's how he was justifying it. He saw no reason to clean his glasses, no reason to say, I don't need to see anything else. I have everything I need right here. No reason to look right across and see someone different than him. No reason to pay any attention to someone that he looked at. And because he looked at him, he said, you are less than me. You don't deserve my time. So why is this important today? Why does Jesus tell this story? I think this is important for us because as followers of Jesus, being made in the image of God, Jesus literally put his thumbprint, his blueprints on us. And our example for how to live here in the world was, living, was given with the example of Jesus. In other words, if Jesus was aware of the needs of others, if Jesus could walk into a crowd and see the needs that people had, I know that that's something we need to grow on as well. Most of us live incredibly busy lives. Incredibly busy lives. I mean, the, the more I talk to people, even about trunk or treat, people came and did trunk or treat, and, and that was on top of a million different things they had going on. We live a busy life. If you ask people how much time they need in a day, I think I shared the statistic last year in one of my messages. I think people said, how much time do you need in a day? They decided 32 hours is what's needed in a day for people to do everything that they want to do, including sleep. You need 32 hours because we're busy. But sometimes we are so busy, we aren't even aware of the needs that are right in front of us. Something that's just a sensor thing that we miss, kind of like in that, that video we watched. Something that was right in front of us and we weren't paying attention and we were unaware of this need. Some of these things can be incredibly urgent. Some of these things involve important people. And some of these things are just right in front of us. 
But how do we as followers of Jesus have the same level of awareness that he talked with about the rich man and Lazarus? I want to give you an answer to this question right now. But, but before I do, I want to understand why this is important because it's tied to a principle that we got to understand. Awareness activates generosity. Awareness will activate your generosity. I think the first step, if you want to step into this being, being more generous and have, having God work in, in, in what we're able to do with our stuff, I think we have to understand that we have to be aware of it first. We have to be able to use our eyes to see what's going on around us, and that will activate our generosity. People who are successful at living generous lives seem to have their antenna up all the time. If you're under 30 and antenna's on a car, you know, it sticks up and it's metal, and maybe your grandparents have it on your, their TV, and, you know, they got to try and find reception. But, you know, an, an antenna is, is, is getting reception. It gets a signal, right? That signal then gets transmitted into the device it's plugged into. If, if we're going to cut through the sensory overload in our lives, We've got to tune our antenna to the right frequency. We've got to be able to say, my antenna is here and it's working. I am alert to what's going on around me. I'm willing to see. I want to see. I've got to make some adjustments so I can be aware and alert what is happening around me. Identify it. Identify what is happening. In our lives, we're intersecting with people all the time. But unless we develop this ability to be aware, we're not going to have that ability. We're not going to be able to step into that generous that life. How do we do it? How do we become aware of the opportunities for generosity that exist all around us? I want to give us one new habit today, just one. But I think if we do this, if we do this as a church, we do this personally, it can change so much about our lives. If we add this into our daily routine, it can give us this awareness. Every morning, every morning, ask God to make you more generous. Every single morning. Start there. Ask God to make you generous. Ask God to give, him, give you his eyes. Ask him for that awareness. Ask him for an opportunity to say, how can I be generous today? I think this little prayer can change our lives. Prayer is essential if we're going to become aware of the opportunities around us. And, and that makes sense, doesn't it? If we're going to be generous to others because of God's love for us, shouldn't we start by saying, God, I'm going to invite you to be a part of this? I want to start with him and let him be the reason that we're doing being generous. Let his love be what fuels it. Let his, his kindness for the people around him, saved and unsaved, let that be what fuels our desire to go and be with people. Our world is loud and noisy, and if we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna need help tuning our hearts into seeing these opportunities. Now, to do this, to, to understand this, I want to revisit a passage we talked about last week. Romans 12, 2 said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Don't let the world transform you. Don't let people transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's not just going to snap his fingers and change your mind. Invite him in. Invite him to be a part of the process and then see what he starts saying to you. See how he starts shifting. See what, he, see what he allows you to start seeing when you invite him in to the process. Paul, when he wrote that, was inviting us to let God transform us by changing the way we think. Awareness always begins with a shift in perspective. You're going to have a shift in perspective. We, we, need this, we need God to give us this new perspective on how to see things, how to observe things. Because human nature is to walk through life in selfie mode. It's, it's natural to be in selfie mode. Self-centeredness is, is like a default setting for, for so many of us. It keeps us from being aware of the people around us because it's always, how will this affect me? What will this do to my bank account? What will this do to my day? What will this do to my time? And we have to learn how to be off of selfie mode. 
Start developing awareness. Spend time with God. And here's, here's a scripted prayer. Um, take a picture of this because it may take, take a while to write down. But, but imagine every day if you started a prayer like this one. If you started every day by saying, God, I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I ask that today an opportunity to be generous will come my way. That I will recognize it when it does and that I can have the courage to jump in and give. How would that change our day if that's just what we started our day with? God, give me joy that comes from being generous. Because if you start with that, then God's going to give you an opportunity to show generosity somewhere. Invite him in at the beginning. And I, I promise you this, if you make a commitment to pray in the morning, you'll be absolutely amazed at how God answers your prayer. Amazed at what God opens your eyes to. Amazed from the opportunities that maybe you weren't aware of before because it, it just wasn't on your forefront of, the forefront of your mind. But when you start your day putting it there, watch what God will show you. Watch what God will do through you and watch the impact he will make because of your willing to let him be a part of it. And here's a, here's, a, here's a little secret on that. The opportunities that you'll see, they've probably been there all along. You probably see them every day. You probably see them all the time and you don't even understand that they're there. But now that you go and you pray, God, God let me see this, you'll start seeing, wow, this has been right in front of me the whole time. And then you can do something about it. You can be a part of it. <clears throat> I know Jen talked um, a few weeks ago about the, the bleeding woman. How many people didn't even, she, she was out of sight, out of mind, because she was there. She was bleeding for, for years. But when she touched Jesus, there was a show-stopping moment. Awareness. People were now aware of what just happened to this woman. Take a time to let God in. Be aware of what's happening. Prayer aligns our heart with God's heart, and it changes our perspective so that we can live a Holy Spirit-driven awareness life every day. I want to share with you um, another video. This is a, a little bit of a longer one, but I think it shows so much the power of generosity and the importance of awareness. So go ahead and, uh, and check this out. It's a powerful story, isn't it? I, I love the opening line of that. This story starts with me eating chicken at KFC. Who'd have thought, Right? And, and if you're like me, you're probably wondering, how does someone stumble into this story? How does someone stumble into eating KFC to then meeting someone who needs help and then going through this process to help change someone's life? The answer is awareness. Eddie didn't stumble into that story. Eddie had perspective in life that created awareness. And when God needed Eddie, he was ready to go. And Eddie found this man. And, and I'll end with this quote. I'd like to invite the, the worship team up. Um, I'm going to end it with this quote that, the, they say, that Eddie says here. If you consider that you are a gift from God to other people in the world, there is really something spiritual that takes place. If you consider that you are a gift from God to the other people in the world, there really is something spiritual that takes place. I, I love that. Eddie was aware and when he had this opportunity to say, God, use me, man, God used him, and a life was changed. And also, the, the part of that, that that gets me is when you, when you see the, the vet that's there, he says, I would do anything for Eddie if I could. And then now, now you see the, the kindness and the joy kind of shifting, right? You have, you have someone who's been a recipient of this awareness of generosity now wanting to return the generosity and joy to somebody else. We have this opportunity all the time. Not... not maybe that specific opportunity or that specific story, but we all have an opportunity to say, God, show me something. Show me what I can be aware of. Show me something I can step into today and how we can make an impact for your kingdom together. 
Amen? Would you stand with me? I want to I end uh, my time with you this morning um, with that prayer that I read earlier. And, and as I read this, um, if, you would, if you would do this, just, just close your eyes and let this be your prayer. Let these words echo in your heart. And, and maybe say them quietly. Say them in your heart. Just, just repeat this to God if, if you want this generosity to start being something that flows in your life. So just, just think this and dwell on this and, and say this to God for you. Say, God, I want to be that example. I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I, want, I ask today that an opportunity to be generous will come my way, that I will recognize it when it does, and that I have the courage to jump in and give. Amen. God, we ask for that for everyone today. God, that we see an opportunity, that you show us an opportunity and that we dive in and we be generous with the things you've given us, God, for your kingdom, for your glory, and for your love. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.